1: with you every step of the way here's your host greg peterson
0: today on the urban farm podcast we have jack davis of epic yard farm to talk about her experience with creating an edible food forest in tempe arizona jack was born in taipei taiwan grew up in taichung moved to singapore for high school then moved to ohio to study at columbus college of art and design in 1997 she became a US citizen in 2011. After living in Texas for a few years, Jack and her husband sold their home, moved into a 35 foot fifth wheel RV and traveled and worked full time in the RV for four years. Now that sounds like an interesting story. Jack runs her own graphic design business. Jack designed from her home office in Tempe, Arizona. She was first introduced to permaculture through the Valley Permaculture Alliance in 2012. Now she is in the progress of establishing a semi self-sustaining food forest in her backyard in Tempe, Arizona. She hopes to inspire others to do the same by giving tours, trading seeds, harvests, and plants with visitors. Welcome to the show today, Jack.
1: Hello, Greg. Thanks for having me.
0: And thank you for being here. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to where you're at now and maybe include something about that RV trip for four years?
1: <laughs> we, when we were living in Texas, we actually realized that we only stay in our home about 70% of the time mm-hmm. during the year. And we were constantly out traveling uh-huh. and exploring different parts of the states. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just had an idea of, you know, we don't really need what they call a stick home. And just kind of move everything. We sold everything and move into the RV. We didn't even oh, have a storage. And with our work, we can work pretty much everywhere. The technology, you know, like Skype and GoToMeeting and mm-hmm. stuff like that, allow us to provide service to our customers wherever we are.
0: Fantastic. So you're, you know, you're kind of traveling. You land in Tempe. Uh, how did you get to a place of? deciding oh my gosh i want to grow food in my yard
1: when we purchased the home it was a decision we had to make was whether we need to buy a lawnmower (laughs) (laughs) and we were discussing that and decided we don't want to waste water on a grass Mm -hmm. that we can't eat and we should just use the water for growing things that uh, is edible and looks beautiful um so we decided to start our food forest project.
0: Oh, very good. So food forest, what tell me first of all how did you come to this notion of food forest and what is is a food forest?
1: So to us, um one of the first things we researched growing edibles mm-hmm. was funny was because of belly permaculture alliance mm-hmm. um, and I was introduced to the idea of permaculture and through a lot of the terminology and the concepts the food forest was something that really resonated with me to have a garden that almost feel like you're out in nature mm-hmm. um, that idea is really really good to me so
0: oh nice yeah so what is a food forest
1: a food forest is where you can forge food that you grow it basically is a self-sustaining ecosystem that's in balance you don't you don't have to worry about it too much it's self-sustaining so, just like out in nature
0: yeah so say more about that when you say self-sustaining what is what does that mean
1: To me, it means I have very minimal input, so I do not use fertilizer, non-chemical, not even organic. I don't apply pesticides, and all the input I give was providing organic matter through Mm -hmm. wood chips and compost, and then uh, give water when the plants need it, and, Mm -hmm. and the rest is just letting nature take care of itself and try to work with it instead of forcing it to do what I want them to do.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's go on a journey here. I want I want to talk about your backyard. We'll, we'll get to your front yard here in a minute. But if we were to walk out on your back porch, what's, give, give me a picture of what your backyard looks like, what's growing out there, uh, maybe what you can harvest right now.
1: So the backyard is... Actually the latest project we just completed, Mm -hmm. um, when you step out from our kitchen door, you basically go into our kitchen garden. And right now we have a lot of winter uh, vegetables still exploding uh, Mm -hmm. and it's actually kind of preventing me from planting my summer crop. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um,
1: So we have broccoli, Brussels sprouts. Um, We recently planted some tomatoes. We also added a spalled apple tree. Oh, nice! Among them, because uh, it's kind of low, low bearing, so it it will allow us to look out from our kitchen uh, door into the garden and be able to see further out, deeper into the garden.
0: Mm-hmm. So you you mentioned the word espaliered. Mm-hmm. What is that?
1: That is um, fruit trees that's trained into kind of a spread spread out structure.
0: Kind of flat, kind of... like a, against a wall maybe?
1: Exactly. But this one is special because the fruit tree supplier had already trained it that way. Oh. So I had it actually standing on its own in the middle of the kitchen garden. And its purpose will... It will serve the purpose of shading one of my metal planters. Oh, Uh, Yeah, so we're keeping it pretty small.
0: Oh, very good. Okay, cool. So that's... And in permaculture, you mentioned the word permaculture. Let's kind of talk that through for a moment. Have you done a permaculture design course?
1: I have not taken Mm -hmm. any permaculture design course, but Mm -hmm. I did take a lot of... um, classes at the Valley Permaculture Alliance.
0: Perfect. So can you kind of give us your definition of what permaculture is?
1: To me, permaculture is work with nature. You observe what nature does mm-hmm. and you try to mimic nature in your garden. So no straight rows of the same crop. Mm-hmm. You mix things up and a lot of polyculture, you know, you you kind of do mixed cropping companion planting and you grow things that will encourage beneficial insects to come into Mm -hmm. yard
0: Mm -hmm. in permaculture we talk about zones and you mentioned zone one here a moment ago Uh, Mm -hmm. is your kitchen garden I think you said your kitchen garden is zone one right out your back door right out outside your kitchen Uh, can you tell us why you did that
1: Um, because that is the most active area of my garden, Mm -hmm. it's the closest to where I need the food source. So the kitchen garden is literally eight feet away from my kitchen sink.
0: Isn't that nice?
1: (laughs) So it's, it's nice to just walk outside and pick the vegetables you want for dinner or lunch Mm -hmm. and just, you know, you, you have that vitality right from the garden in Onto your plate, and everything just tastes so much fresher and more flavorful. Yeah. So, it, Zone One, we we definitely grow things that we try to use almost every day.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, good. So that that is how much of your backyard.
1: That is actually about a tenth of our backyard.
0: Great. Um,
1: we have Zone Two, kind of um, a lot of perennials, herbs. Um, smaller bush and fruit trees,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then we also have a zone three um that is the furthest out um and there we have some clumping bamboo that will grow for timber uh-huh. and uh, eventually they'll produce bamboo shoot for us also for edible oh. we also have sugarcane, banana, much of the larger fruit trees are in zone three, so they're the furthest most edge of our property.
0: Mm-hmm. So what kinds of things are, so you mentioned a few things, what else are you growing in your backyard?
1: So in the backyard we have uh, six peach trees, two cherry trees, two persimmon trees, one jujubee, a bunch of sugar cane, different varieties uh-huh. of sugar cane, passion fruit vine, moringa tree, lychee, oh, Barbados wow. cherry, papaya, um, we also have a little pond we have that is in our zone too, actually, uh-huh. um, we have a fish pond that has koi and goldfish. Mm-hmm. And when we, um, do water change, we'll actually use that water to, uh, water our plants because yeah. there's nitrogen in there.
0: Fantastic. Um, From the fish poop.
1: hmm
0: We can say poop on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic so that's your backyard and it, we recently were at Jake Mace's and he's right around the corner from you and on that day you had a pile of wood chips in your front yard that you were trying to get us to have people come and pick up because you had like taken as many as you could take uh, so you kind of subscribe to the put wood chips down idea as well yes
1: yes absolutely
0: can you tell us more about that and why you do that
1: so the the reason I, I started using the wood chips is I have watched this documentary called Back to Eden. Oh um, and the the farmer that's featured in that film he used the wood chip method and, and and it basically is encouraging people to use the sheet mulching, the lasagna gardening mm-hmm. method to grow. Mm-hmm. And that really just made a huge difference in our garden. So, so the three years we've been gardening, we have taken three big truckloads <laughs> of wood chips.
0: Uh-huh. What happens at... The interface between the dirt and the wood chips, so you're but you're basically putting the wood chips on top as a mulch, right
1: yes, so so where it's bare dirt and there was no grass before, we will put a thin layer of compost and then a thick layer of wood chip on top, uh-huh in our front yard area, we actually did the sheet mulching because there was a grass lawn there mm-hmm. and. We have put down a very thick layer of cardboard and newspaper, then some compost and wood chips.
0: Oh, wow. Cool. And, and how is the, so in your front yard, how is that working with the, um, with the, because we have Bermuda grass here in the valley for anybody that doesn't mm-hmm. know. Uh, and so you're covering Bermuda grass up, right?
1: Yes, yeah. absolutely. How's, and-
0: how's that working?
1: It, the the side we used Cardboard and newspaper Exclusively worked perfect the, wow. There was no growback of grass um, But the one small section That we ran out of cardboard mm-hmm. We went and purchased Very heavy duty landscaping fabric That's <laughs> uh, supposed to be a weed uh-huh. barrier And Bermuda grass just laughed Land- at it Yeah, exactly. poked right through And <laughs> now it's like matted up because it's woven itself the Bermuda grass has woven itself into the landscaping Mm -hmm. fabric Mm -hmm. Um, so we have to redo that side but um, I show people when they come how big of a difference between uh, using cardboard and landscaping fabric is. Nice
0: fantastic so let's shift a little bit I want to talk about how you decide or go about choosing the types of edibles to grow in your garden?
1: I start with things I miss the most from my homeland. Mm, Um, Growing uh up in the tropics, we have year-round of delicious, wide variety of fruit and vegetables. Mm -hmm. So I I start with that, and then I cross-reference on things that can be grown here. A majority of my trees are tropical-based. I'm also learning now this year to grow uh, deciduous fruit trees.
0: Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Something we and, do a lot here in Phoenix.
1: Yes. And and I have a lot of help from the permaculture group and from the Facebook gardening groups who have been growing deciduous trees. Uh-huh. So Fantastic. that that is a new adventure for me.
0: Nice. And so when you say deciduous, you and you mentioned peaches early, peaches are deciduous. Deciduous trees are any any kind of trees that lose their leaves in the winter they go dormant mm-hmm. yes so what what's your favorite plants that you're currently growing in your garden
1: um currently uh, my favorite tree that's growing is the moringa trees oh. i have five of them on my property and they're all two and a half years old mm-hmm. grown from seed in the ground wow And all of them are, they reach about 20 to 25 feet tall in the Uh summertime. Uh And I'll cut them down to about um, six feet tall Mm -hmm. to the stump um, during, right as we go into spring uh, after the freeze damage is not going to happen. So, but they, by August, they go rice right back up to 25 feet
0: feet. yeah exactly yeah so why what are moringas for tell us about them
1: so moringa is super high in nutrients very very nutritious tree that you can use the leaves you can use the flowers you can eat the bean pods almost the whole plant can be eaten Mm -hmm. and it has medicinal purpose and um, it also thrives in our summer heat and our summer sun. So I actually have learned to use it also as a nursing tree for a lot of uh, more oh. delicate plants that can't take the summer heat.
0: So talk to me about that. What do you mean a nursing tree?
1: So a nursing tree is to help smaller and more delicate plants to handle um, our intense sunlight. Uh-huh. Also, it prevents uh, the strong winds from damaging the smaller, more delicate plant.
0: Mm, so you're growing underneath the moringa mm-hmm. trees. Mm, very good.
1: Yes. Very it's, good. it's kind of part of our guild. We have uh-huh. multiple guilds that we follow through the permaculture method.
0: Oh, perfect. So I have to know, you mentioned the word guilds. Can you kind of tell me what a guild is?
1: So guild is beneficial grouping of plants and animals. Mm-hmm. You basically have different groupings of plants that will take care of each other. An example is you have a upper story like the tall fruit trees or tall shade trees. Uh-huh. Like your moringas. Um, yes, exactly like the moringas and the moringa is great for that because it actually is not too dense so uh-huh. it lets uh, quite a bit of light through, through the dappled shade. And then you can grow berry bushes, uh, different type uh, of shorter right. shorter fruit trees underneath that. Uh-huh. Um, and one example we have is actually the chiltepine peppers. Uh-huh. That's native to this area. Right. And the pepper is just absolutely delicious. They love being under the moringa tree.
0: Oh, very good.
1: And then we also have under like uh, understory plants and ground cover. So one of the ground covers we grow a lot is the sweet potato vine. Oh, yes. And we use it as a green mulch during summertime. Mm -hmm. It, It spreads out. It keeps the ground cool it also keeps the moisture in. And from Asia, that's one thing that I also remember growing up in Taiwan is mm-hmm. my grandma will go out and harvest sweet potato leaves oh, yes. and that's what we eat through the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is a good food crop to also have in the summertime. Yeah, of course.
0: Absolutely. Fantastic. That was, the, the, that was an excellent definition of guilds. Good job.
1: Thank you. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. So, you know, we always ask our guests for questions, and this is a question that you sent over, and I, I have to ask it. Does your husband have any influence in the decisions and successes of your gardening?
1: Yes, he has <laughs> a huge influence. Yeah, tell um, me about that. One of the first things we, when we were trying to decide how to grow, um, his only requirement to me was do not make our garden look like a farm. Oh, so, don't grow nice. anything in straight rows. Right. He even was a little bit opposing on setting up straight structures just so we don't have kind of, we want to keep it look beautiful and, and it look more like a landscape. So, right. when people come to our garden, if they don't know what edibles they're looking at, it will just look like exotic.
0: Oh yes, looking
1: plants. Right, because they're just scattered all over the place. Mm-hmm. What's really fun about it is now when you walk through our garden, it's almost like you're foraging in the food forest, like an actual forest. Because you're uh-huh. like, oh look, there's strawberry over here, uh-huh. and then you walk a few paces over, you got blueberries, you got oh. chiltepín, you got you know guava. So it's it's just little bits and pieces of different type Uh of edibles and you're just constantly discovering them as you walk through the garden so it's not like a clear view of rows and rows Mm -hmm. of the same plant
0: nice you mentioned blueberries and they're Mm -hmm. kind of particular in growing them in the desert have you you've planted them and gotten blueberries
1: Yes, I have, and I'm actually in the middle of a trial with my blueberries. I do a lot of trial and and error in my garden, and what I've read about blueberries is that they like to grow in very high organic matter, Mm -hmm. lots of microbial activities that um, I think from what I was reading is those microbes communicate with plants, Mm -hmm. and then they'll adjust the pH for the plants. Isn't that nice? Yes, it's just, <laughs> there's such an intelligent system already built in in nature uh-huh. and I wanted to test it out. So our front yard's um, soil is almost, almost just like in the forest. It's very, very oh, active. Oh, nice! And so we've planted two blueberry plants in the front yard. This is their second year. The first year we've gotten fruit and this year they have been flowering and we have fruit on it, but they're directly in the ground. We did not put any sulfur or acidifier, it's just straight into our forest floor compost with filtered water. One thing we really try to make people aware of is to put a filter on their garden Mm -hmm. hose that take out all the chlorine. Chlorine, yeah. Yes, and that, that really helps a lot. Um, We do occasionally scatter coffee ground around it when Mm -hmm. we make coffee. But other than that, we were just testing it out, you know, without doing too much. Like I said before, I don't want to do, give too much input. I just want them to kind of show me what they (laughs) like.
0: Yeah. And
1: and so far, those two bushes are are loving it in the front yard.
0: Fantastic. In the ground. Wow. In the ground. How cool is that? Usually we have to grow them in pots here.
1: Yes. And uh, I kill everything in pots. Pot, yeah.
0: <laughs> Boy, I heard that. Pots are pots are a different game, that's for sure. Yes, yes. So I'm gonna start shifting a little bit here on you and I wanna talk about your Facebook page. You have a Facebook page for Epic Yard Farm, yes? Yes. Tell us about that.
1: So I started the Facebook page as a way to journal and share my progress with uh-huh. friends and family. Oh nice. And it just slowly grew through the community, gardening community. Mm-hmm. And word of mouth, we actually have in the short two-year time frame now about 1,200 followers wow. uh, on there. And, and that also gave me a platform to, to share my experiment, to share the success and failures, mm-hmm. um, trading notes, trading recipes. And I started organizing tours on there. Um, so it's a really good platform to to share and communicate with uh, other gardeners
0: nice so you're you're on Facebook and it's epic yard farm yes you know before we actually uh, move away from this and go to the next section uh, I drove by your house one one day recently and you have this epic gate (laughs) tell us about your gate and how'd that happen
1: so when we were building, we we're replacing the old fence that came with the house, right. and we decided we want to put some a model. My husband and I live by this model of being not afraid to do what you want to do, and and the model that's welded and put on the gate is be epic, make it happen. And actually, when we visited you in one of your classes, Mm -hmm. you encourage people, you know, if (laughs) if we are sharing our produce with family or friends, Uh we're we should have a name for our garden. Yes, exactly. And the epic, the big epic on our gate seemed to be appropriate. So we just call it Epic Yard Farm using that.
0: Fantastic. Good job. So can you talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you learned from it?
1: I have failed many, many times, but mm-hmm. I think one failure I had um, in the beginning of my gardening journey is kind of a good example for other gardeners mm-hmm. to learn from. Is I had one corner in the backyard when we first bought the house. The backyard was completely hardscape because of the big dive-in pool we had. Oh yeah. That's why we started gardening in the front yard. Uh-huh. But in that back corner, there was a little corner that the homeowner left with some dirt. It looked like gardening mix in there. Uh-huh. But there was no plants in there, so I decided, okay, I'm going to start planting, and that looked like a perfect spot. So I went and bought a fig tree, I put it in, and the next day all the leaves start crisping up.
0: Oh, interesting
1: and start dropping Uh so I jump online post pictures ask lots of questions and some people say oh do you have fruit on there I say, yes it's filled with fruit and say you got to remove all the fruit and and then I do that and then a month later all the leaves turn yellow and all the leaves start dropping again and I was in this period. I was like, okay, I just have black thumb. I'm cursed with black thumb. <laughs> and and then I found out actually I was planting in the wrong time
0: oh, of yes. the year because mm-hmm. it
1: was in the middle of June. Oh, my gosh. I was going into July. And also that corner is joined by two block walls facing west oh my god so that corner is basically an oven Mm -hmm. an oven during the summertime so Mm -hmm. from that experience i learned that i have i have spent the next year observing the sun
0: path Oh yes
1: and also learning all about microclimates and how to create microclimates and, and that's also when I learned about Moringa trees, how, mm-hmm. how well they do in the heat. And then I learned to plant the seed of a Moringa in that corner. And also lemongrass is another one that can oh, take yeah. heat in the summertime. Yeah. So once I've planted those two, everything behind them, being protected by them, do really, really well so that is my failure and and learning experience from that perfect
0: perfect. what do you consider your biggest success
1: i think my biggest success so far is i'm killing a little less plant than i used to <laughs>
0: <laughs> love it fantastic and what drives you what's your big why 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 do you find yourself doing this I
1: I think it's because I love nature. I just, I remember growing up, my mom take us into the mountains and I love watching the animals, the the bugs and the plants and being able to, to have that set up in my own backyard. You know, I can sit in the garden and just watch things take place. Uh You know, when the pests show up, the the beneficial insects will come up and start Uh, taking care of business for me. You know, just watching, setting up a system that they can just kind of, you watch the circle of life happening mm-hmm. right in front of you, in um, the little space that you you allow it to happen in this urban jungle, is is what really drives me, and and I want everybody to have that in their in their uh, home, yeah, in a home garden.
0: Nice. So I'm all about education, and I have to know: is there any book or documentary that you've seen? or read that you know is really influential for you in your life
1: so the the two films that really influenced me uh one of them is by pbs um called what plants talk about oh and that one is very very interesting uh because it it talks about the mycorrhiza that that internet within uh-huh. the plants, and um, it talks about uh, the plant is able to quickly switch their biology to adapt.
0: And, interesting.
1: And things like that is it, just very, very interesting. It, uh-huh. it open up, you know, all kinds of possibilities of you're not just planting something, you're planting something that is very aware of its surroundings. Right. And if you can use... If you can communicate by observing, figuring out what the plant likes, I think, you know, everybody can be successful in planting because you, you're kind of, it's not a one-way street. You're, you're back and forth kind of dialogue yeah. with your plants.
0: Great. That was one. What was the other one?
1: And The other one was the Back to Eden film that I mentioned before mm-hmm. um, because the the farmer, Paul, he is partially handicapped, you know, and oh, the way he garden is very easy. Um, the, the whole, he does plant in rolls, but his idea of using the wood chips, mm-hmm. and he also is the one that um, inspired me to try growing things that has different pH requirements right next to each other. Oh, yeah. Because the, just like the microbes will, will help out. Mm -hmm. help the plants out um and provide them what they need so those those are the two films that really really had guide me through these three years
0: what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners
1: i think you have to be very open and very relaxed and know it's all trial and error Hmm. so every time you fail it's it's don't look at it as a failure you have to look at it as a success because you tried it and then now you learned from it Mm -hmm. so that applies both to you know gardening and in life yeah no kidding just having an open mind uh, will help a lot
0: yeah well thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today jack it's been a treat getting to chat with you
1: thank you greg
0: how can our listeners get a hold of you
1: The best way to reach me is to message me or post comments on my Facebook page, Epic Yard Farm.
0: Perfect. Very good. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast.
1: We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org,